Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. This episode we have a guest host, Chris Peplow, a friend and colleague at the Sports Technology Institute. His PhD research is with cricket, so he's able to lend his expertise in our discussion with Richard Welch, the creator of a cricket training aid called Pitch Vision. Richard tells us how it all got started and explains how his company and the industry in general have implemented technology in the sport. Unfortunately, there were some recording issues we didn't notice until after the discussion. Everything is still audible, just a little distorted at times. It's still definitely worth a listen. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. This is Henry and in this episode we'll be talking about cricket, which at the moment is topical because the Ashes are going on in England right now. The Ashes is a a test cricket series between England, uh, which I guess is the English and, and Welsh team, and Australia. It's been going on for since late 1800s and they play every other year in the summer because it's a summer sport but kind of alternate to depending on who has summer um that uh, at that year and so um cricket is the topic today and, and um joining me in the studio i have chris peplo a colleague at the sports technology institute and later we will also talk with richard welch the ceo and founder of pitch vision a cricket um, technology for training um, first of all chris welcome thank you for joining me today on the podcast Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with, um, with your current project in cricket. Okay, so um, to clarify, uh, research in cricket at Loughborough uh, mm-hmm. in collaboration with England has been going on for about nine years now. Uh, so I'm sort of jumping in in the middle. Uh, and it all started with fast bowlers. So in cricket, fast bowlers, there's an awful lot of stress on the body. Uh, they're generating speeds up to about 100 miles an hour and mm-hmm. maybe up to about eight times their body weight goes through their front leg. So I started off with why are our bowlers getting injured mm-hmm. and how can we reduce that through technical coaching. Okay, so just to, to clarify for, for our American friends, that when the bowler is basically like a, the pitcher. The pitch. And, and when, they, when they pitch, they kind of take like a, a running start at it and then they swing their hand over their head, kind of like straight locked elbow. They slam down on the opposite foot and then release the ball. And it's, it's a pretty abrupt motion. And so that's, it's, it's unusual, I think. That's why Correct. we're getting some injuries. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's not actually my project. Uh, so we're starting now to move into performance mm-hmm. and how can we make our cricketers better rather than more robust, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the batting squads, so the, the baseball hitters, <laughs> <laughs> and essentially trying to understand their techniques. Uh, what about the elite players makes them better than you and me? What, what are the key aspects of their technique that, that give them more skill and more time to bat against such a fast-moving ball? Mm-hmm. Okay, and are, are you able to say um, kind of how you're going about this? What, what sorts of equipment you're using? What yeah, measurements sure. you're looking so for? So the whole project has been based around using three-dimensional motion capture systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, similar to what's used in Lord of the Rings or mm-hmm. Avatar to create the characters and how they move properly. Um, and essentially that allows us to quantify movement. So mm-hmm. rather than looking at a video and, and the coach saying, oh, I think this player is doing that, we can actually start to put numbers and graphs to it and, and understand in a bit more detail what's going on in the body. Very good. And uh, how far along are you? Uh, I'm two years through of four, mm-hmm. so it's it's taking shape, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, and we're uh, expecting another big testing session with the England batting squads in the coming two months. 
Okay. So it's, uh, it's progressing quite quickly, but... Are you developing a method by which coaches can analyze, or are you really trying to pick out the things that, that athletes can start looking at right away? Um, so initially, what you said second, uh, which is trying to find the elite guys and, and use them as sort of a, a textbook and mm-hmm. say, what do these guys do that in the future we could then filter down to coaches and young kids so that they don't have to come in for the 3D testing. They can maybe do it just from a video or whatever, what are the key principles that we can feed down the levels Right, is the plan. Right, yeah, cool. Um, so just in cricket in general, you're, you're a cricketer yourself? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, um, what would you pick out or what sort of uh, technological advancements have you seen? I would say cricket is a really traditional sport and only in the last 10 years or so have had any uptake of technology at all. Yeah. Um, so I think most commonly it's used in broadcasting. Mm-hmm. So Sky Sports, whoever you know shows the cricket, mm-hmm. they'll have Hawkeye and that kind of technology, and that's starting to filter into the game now. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the results are thought to depend on what the umpire thinks, like mm-hmm. the referee. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he decides whether a batsman's out on certain occasions, or you know what what's going on in the game. And it's starting to come in that players are able to use technology like Hawkeye to review and check the umpire's decision. Okay. So I'd say that's where it's, it's going. Um, in terms of technology actually in the sport, very limited. Mm-hmm. So it's still a wooden bat of a certain size. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still a ball made of leather and string sewn together. It's, it's not progressing like other sports might progress. Okay, yeah. And now we bring Richard into the discussion. I asked him to tell us a bit about his background. Um, Well, I I grew up in Australia and I uh, played a lot of youth cricket in Australia up up to a sort of district cricket level in Melbourne and I moved across to the UK for work in 2000 and um, I was doing various jobs working in the the finance industry um, when I first came over but also reactivated my love of cricket while I was here. Uh, I thought that if if there was ever a time when um, I would play cricket again, it should be when I'm back in the home of cricket in England. So that's, I had a a long-standing love for the game, but uh, it was really rekindled when I came to England. Very good. Is there any any correlations we can draw to to England starting to to do a little bit better in the Ashes at the start of the 2000s? I'd like to claim credit. Um, well, I, I think it's been a very interesting evolution over the time that I've been here because when I was when I first came, Australia, I think, rightly had the reputation as being a leader and in the vanguard of innovation in cricket and cricket techniques and pathways of player development. Mm. But what's, I think, I've had a bit of a privilege to see a little bit of the inside of English cricket uh, while I'm here and, and it's very clear how systematically England has firstly taken the best lessons from overseas and, and then further improved on them in that time. So when I first arrived, I thought Australia had a, had a clear advantage in development, but now I think the, the England cricket system um, is you know, clearly the, most, the, the, the superior one in the world, easily. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's kind of a unique... unique um, yeah. Would you, would you like to tell us about what you do and, and kind of how it all started, how you got involved? Well, well how, how it started is, I guess, 
a good illustration of, of what, what and why we do, actually. Um, uh, I hadn't played cricket for about 10 years when I came to England, so I was a very good young cricketer in my early 20s. But, you know, life, work, girlfriends and other things got in the way and I didn't play cricket for 10 years. Um, and as I said, when I came to England, I thought, oh, well, if I'm ever going to play again before my knees give out, I should do it here. And I rather foolishly thought I would pick up exactly where I left off 10 years earlier. Hmm. And so it was quite a sur humiliating surprise to me to find out I was rubbish when I, when I went down to my local club. And having been a little bit humiliated in that way, I, I took myself to an empty cricket and had six balls and I, I bowled each of those balls, picked them up and bowled them again. And I did that over and over again, just trying to get some rhythm and rust out of my shoulder so I could play again. And um, that was fine because I was bowling, but I had no idea whether I was bowling better today than I was the day before. Or, you know, if there's any level of improvement. So I put a, a picnic blanket down on the cricket pitch um, in, in sort of the hot area that you, you need to aim for. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, if I hit the picnic blanket, at least I'm bowling in the right areas. And that became my, my drill. And then I, I really had the thought, well, wouldn't it be nice if that picnic blanket kept score of how many times I hit it today versus yesterday? And, and, I, and I thought, you know, yeah, as you do, I just thought, well, I guess it would have to be some kind of sensor mat to do that. Hmm. Some, somebody, somebody must be making those somewhere. Um, and that was really the genesis of the idea that, that in, t in that same year, Hawkeye really came to the fore in terms of public perception because it was a, part, a really highly featured part of a very famous Ashes series. And... Everyone saw how Hawkeye sort of decoded the game for a lot of people as well. So my little idea of a little sensor mat on the, on the pitch was really, in a way, thinking of I would like my own personal Hawkeye that I could take to a park or I could t use at my cricket club or I could use at my school. Okay. And, and so the idea was to bring that broadcast technology down to grassroots level and... And that, that was the genesis of the idea. And then there's been an awful lot of R&D and development and investment to take that from a concept to a sort of a inter sophisticated, integrated coaching package now that, you know, still in some respects is still a mat on the pitch or under the pitch, but now has so many other features as well that it's a well-fleshed out coaching system. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting story. Do, do you yourself have any... Um engineering or electronics background? No, I don't. I, I, coming from the, the finance industry, what I did have was an understanding of financial systems, that is, you know, things that run your bank account. Mm -hmm. So to my mind, the, the analogy I always made in my mind is that if you look at your bank statement that you get from your bank and it has a list of transactions on it going down the page, so to my way of thinking... Each of those transactions on the page is, a, is the equivalent of a delivery. Right. So when you look at your bank statement, you know what you bought, you know where you bought it, you know how much you paid, you might know how much tax you paid on it, that sort of thing. So to my mind, for looking at a, a financial system, every ball you bowl is like a transaction. The, the, the bowler is the seller and the, and the batsman is the buyer. 
So there's two, two parties to every transaction. And I was just thinking of the software systems that would run the information, store the information, and allow you to analyse the information. And the the sensors and the, and the technology to get that information in the right place, in the first place, was something I would have to get engineers in to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, a, a, someone who works in software, someone who works specifically in sensing and telemetry technology. So your um, your your company does the hardware, the sensing mats, um, but it's also it also has kind of an interactive aspect. And I, I think it's it's kind of a, a cool example of a, a very well integrated like, product coaching and everything. Um, so could you just kind of explain like after after you have the kind of got the mats and the basic um, sensing and reporting ability, how you've kind of created the entire package or what what all you offer now? Yeah, well, it comes, it comes from the point of view that everyone wants their own personal information. So if you're practicing in a lane that has pitch vision, you, your profile is registered on the, on the laptop or the computer that's running it there so that we know your name and we know you're right-handed and we know that you're this, that and the other. Um, so that means that all the data is captured, is tagged to a specific person, a specific bowler and a specific batsman. And that data, it's great data right there and then in the lane but it's the name of the game now, as in probably in any, every era, is that sharing that information is what makes it powerful. So it's no good having that information trapped on the local laptop because once you get home, you've got no access to it. So we, we always understood that it would be essential for us to upload, have an order, a process where every bit of information was automatically uploaded to a website where a person could log in using a password and see their own data online. And that would free free the information from being locked into a, one location, you know, the location where you ca- captured the information. Um, so online, we, we have on our site, pitchvision.com, we have an area called Pitchvision Interactive. And on that page, you can actually literally see uploads of data coming in from different countries, from different venues around the world, all being uploaded to that, site that portal and if you log in you can go to your own library where all your deliveries from one you know from the last 10 sessions or the last 50 sessions that you've done all your pitch maps or all your videos and all your wagon wheels are stored there for you to analyze online and to make comments for online or to share with other people to, to send on just so it's a little bit in a way it's a little bit like a facebook or cricket or a, and a mixed with a YouTube of cricket, um, but very personalised. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we see we see that a little bit in um, in other sports like running, where you can take the information from your watch now and, and kind of upload it and and compare it around. Richard, I wanted to ask you about the uptake of your technology. So everyone knows Hawkeye, and everyone knows it costs thousands and thousands of pounds. Um, yeah. You're offering something a lot cheaper and more accessible. Uh, so I wondered whether a lot of clubs or cricket coaching centres are, are getting involved with the technology and, and really how it's growing around the world and maybe where it's growing around the world the most. Yeah, it, it, well, I think it's, a, it's an interesting entrepreneurial story in its own right. Um, but to, to answer specifically, the, the uptake initially was slow we were in this sort of grey area for a, a little while where we hadn't really finished R&D, but we were very anxious to get the product out there. 
So I would think, you know, in the first year or so of what we were doing, we, yeah, the product wasn't as stable as we would like and it certainly didn't, wasn't packaged as nicely as we would like. And, and we hadn't got enough customer feedback about what they liked and didn't like about it to really refine it. So we found in the first couple of years, for instance, things that we could improve on were comments that came back to us, well, it needs too many PowerPoints to set up. So if I'm at a local school or a local club, I, I don't have time to spend 20 minutes plugging in five, six PowerPoints to every bit of the system. Um, so to solve that, we made the whole thing powered by one single USB lead from the computer. Um, we had some, some versions of the product were too big and it couldn't be transported in any practical way. So we had to shrink certain parts of the product. Um, so there were, if you like, product design issues we had to overcome and, and learn from. And I think we've, we've improved vastly in the last 18 months. I think we've, it's really almost a brand new product in that regard. In terms of the public perception or acceptance within the coaching community, I don't think we've ever had anyone tell us that it was a bad idea. I don't think anyone's ever suggested it was a bad idea. Um, but there is, I think there is something different, well, different countries approach it very differently. In South Africa, South Africa is almost our very best market because the people are incredibly enthusiastic, very happy to buy it without having seen it. And we've got probably you know, 10 or so different venues down in South Africa have very happy customers using it. Um, in England, we found it was a very tough market indeed. England's probably our toughest market uh, to get the acceptance at grassroots level, particularly when you don't have a brand name behind you. So I think the Hawkeye, Hawkeye has a huge advantage in that every time you turn on the television, you see that brand name. Sure. Um, and, and whilst we love Hawkeye because, you know, in a way, it's ed Hawkeye's successfully educated the marketplace as to what this technology, kind of technology is used for and why it's useful. So in, in some ways, we're very thankful to Hawkeye for educating, creating a market of this kind. But when we're coming up behind them with an alternate product, but without the brand name behind it, like any new technology, you really will struggle to get that level of trust about what it does and why it's useful. Um, so we, I think we as a company uh, need to work hard over the next couple of years just to strengthen our brand name, just to build that level of trust because ultimately we would like people to be buying the, the basic version of this product just like someone would buy a bowling machine. We would like it to be understood as a piece of basic equipment, not, not something special or, or exotic. Um, and speaking to the people who sell bowling machines, you know, it's a, it's a fact that it took, that took bowling machines the better part of 15 years to get to that point where they were accepted as just part of the landscape, where people would buy them without thought. And what we're in, we're in a similar sort of phase where we're offering something new. It's a little bit challenging to older generations of coaches and we need to try and accelerate the, the, the process of acceptance because we, you know, we don't want to be waiting 15 years for this to become part of the landscape. Sure. Baseball has kind of seen what some may call the money ball revolution after the book and, and the movie where use of, um, use of data and statistics and information 
can really help kind of build a team. So I'm wondering if, if, if this is something you see might be happening in cricket. I'm just thinking like now we have the ability to, to kind of collect more information about every single ball that's bowled. I wonder if you see this as something that could help in training, but also maybe help in, in like selecting teams or, or ranking players. Or... Yeah, I, I have I have absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, and, and Chris Chris probably has some good perspectives on this as well. But it's I think it's a it re this is something that really is a function of the technology available. Um, it's it's relatively difficult to capture large volumes of data easily unless there's a very automated automated way of doing it. Um, but once there is an automated way of doing it, then that data will become ubiquitous, um, and therefore those sort of assessments. We we had a we had a really interesting experience last year, where in New Delhi in India, there was a new cricket league called the Delhi Premier League. Was started. It was an underage underage league modelled on the IPL, and the organisers um, advertised for people to apply to be selected as players to to the league. There was only six. There were six hundred places available, and what they had is forty thousand applications. Wow. And so there was no feasible way for them to really analyse and assess those players and choose the top 600. So they, they brought us in and over four weeks with four different pitch vision systems running at the same time, we put 25,000 players through pitch vision and we developed a algorithm, uh, one algorithm for batsmen and one algorithm for bowlers, that would say, okay, over over the course of 18 balls, we will measure your consistency, your pace, your lining length, and we'll try and reduce that down to a single numerical value and therefore rank every player. And this was backed up with also video recording them simultaneously with it, with, with locked-in video. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the process, they were able to narrow that 25,000 down to 1,200 and then through a, a pretty laborious process, they looked at all the videos of those 1,200 that we had online and made their selections. Wow, that's an interesting case study. <laughs> yeah, so Richard, when you're, let's say I'm a club or a school or something, and, I, and I'm interested in buying your system, as a, someone who hasn't maybe got the technological background or, or the, quite as much know-how as, as you have or you know, people that, that use it regularly, how easy is it for me to get set up and going uh, and, you know, feedback? Yeah, if you asked me this question, say, 18 months ago, uh, I would, I'd give it, you know, a, a, a very different answer. With, with the new version, we have a product called PV1, and it, it was specifically designed for exactly the point that you, you're making there, Chris. Um, people who are not particularly familiar with technology and, and for whom time is precious... Um, particularly if you're, say, only in a one-hour class, um, you've got one hour to do. The, the, new, the PV1 can be set up in about four and a half minutes is the average set-up time. Quite specific. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the world record is about two and a half minutes by, by people. Um, we've made sure that everything is colour-coded, so you lay out a bowl increase sensor, you lay out a pitch sensor, there's two colour-coded leads that go into a box, and the box has one USB that goes into the laptop. The laptop we provide with the system. So the system's already loaded with your P1 
picture vision software it's already loaded with your details you need to the very first time you need to register the players names and that's that's about a process that can take about 10 to 15 seconds per player and then you can start playing that's good i think i think one of the challenges is for technology and sports is trying to make the technology invisible almost to yeah, try yeah. and make it just kind of fade into the background something that doesn't require a lot of thought but that's it. I mean, and we were, we've always been very, very particular. One of our core philosophies was we don't want to make a piece of technology that the players have to work around. You know, the technology should work around the players. And we didn't want to disturb the natural rhythms of training, you know, which is sort of organised chaos, really, because bowlers bowl, they go and chase their balls, they stop and talk, the batsmen change. It's, it's quite fluid, that environment. Which and that sort of environment, that you know, that by definition is a bit of a nightmare for software and for technology because technology likes things nice and ordered and neat and process driven. So, one of the big challenges for anybody designing coaching software is to cope with the natural rhythms of human behaviour in those sort of environments. So, one of the other things that you that you offer is online coaching. Um, it's one of the other things integrated with your whole, I guess, product services. Um, do you want to say a few words about that and how you're... Yeah, it, it, was, it was actually part of the original, right from the start, the part of the original vision in that we knew that if we are going to be capturing lots of performance data, you know, how fast you're bowling, what your line and length is, uh, bounce, shots, shot speed, shot distance, it's, it's, it is to an extent quite dry information. So... We wanted to make sure that we wrapped around it a lot of holistic information as well to make it a complete experience when you came onto the site. When you came to check your stats and you were having problems with a certain problem with your bowling, that you had access to information to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Which is great. And I mean, I've had a good look through your website and I, I noticed there's quite a lot of big names in you know players and coaches. I wonder how you got involved with. I mean, I've seen Kevin Peterson's on there. I've seen some coaches I recognise. I wonder how you how you got involved with those guys. Uh, in the in the early days, it was it was simply by by having the nerve to call them up and suggest that we publish them. Um, but uh, but the the approach we take is quite different. What what we know is that all of these people, particularly the high profile people. Uh, they're people who have got so much information in their heads, but they have very little time um, and they are under lots of different demands. So we always made sure that we take, the, we take the full burden of producing their courses, their online courses and training off them. So we, we do all the filming, we organise the whole day, we make sure everything is done and that in a lot of cases they can download that information in the space of an afternoon but once you get to the editing stage, we can put together something that's really substantial for them. Um, and once we had one or two um, good, co uh, good authors or coaches or ex-players on the site, um, it, became a, it became a lot, lot easier to get the next one and the next one because we, we showed that we weren't some fly-by-night organisation sure. and, and we, that we were something of substance. And, we, and also we wanted to be really clear that we were different. If you go on YouTube, you will get 3,000 three-minute videos on how to bowl leg spin. 
we, we wanted to be really clear we're not that kind of material. We are extensive, expansive courses that are in chapters and, you know, it, we are the online equivalent of the old cricket manuals. Yeah. That, you know, everyone used to, that we, we want to provide substantive material um, online. Um, so if you want your quick tip off, off YouTube, I think it's still the right place to go. But if you want really substantive, in-depth material that's presented in a very modern way where we have a good mix of video content, audio content, interactive content and, you know, quizzes and things like that, um, then that's the service we provide. And because we act almost, we act as a publisher, we act as a supermarket, we draw a lot more people to our site than any one coach could draw to their own personal site. Okay. So, so really it becomes a win-win situation for everybody because each of the coaches individually would sell a lot of more of their coaching than they would on their own site. And we naturally benefit because we're drawing more people to our website at the same time. Sure, yeah, that's great. So what, um, what would you say, just as we wrap up, what do you think um, technology is going in cricket, um, specifically, I guess, your systems, but also if you have any comments on, on the sport in general, where you think we should kind of look to see the newest developments? Oh, well, well how, how long do you have, Henry? It's, 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 it's such a big topic. And, and maybe, maybe pick your favourite. Pick your most, <laughs> most exciting one. Well, I'll, look, I'll, 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 I'll cheat and I'll pick two favourites. Okay. The, 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 the one thing I'm really looking forward to is, the fact, is that in five years from now, cricket technology that tells you what your line and length is and what your pace is and where you're landing on the bowling crease and all those things, that will be the norm that it will be unusual not to have that information to hand because the, as technology prices fall and as people like Pitch Vision and other, other companies innovate, that should come down to grassroots levels and I hope that the cricket authorities encourage companies like Pitch Vision to bring it down to grassroots level because mm -hmm. it can only improve the standard of the game and it can only help retain young players' interest in the game in this, in this modern world where there's lots of alternatives. Um, but on a larger scale, where do we see cricket technology going within the, the sport larger, particularly at the international level? Well, you can't have a better example than the first two tests, Ashes tests this year, mm -hmm. where, you know, you, to some extent you could say the game was almost determined by the fact that someone ran out of challenges to the umpire's decision. Yeah, I heard, I heard that. I thought that was particularly interesting. Well, I th well I, you see, I think the genie is out of the bottle here because... There's going to surely there's going to reach a point where if almost every other decision is challenged mm -hmm. of the umpires, which seems to be the case now, and we're finding the challenges are being upheld, maybe maybe more than thirty percent of the time. I wouldn't say fifty percent of the time, but more than thirty percent of the time they're being upheld. Then, really, it's, it it almost starts to feel inevitable that every decision should be reviewed. What do, you, what do you think about that, Chris, as the, the cricketer in the room? My, I, I think it's a difficult question. I'm sure we could talk about it all, all afternoon. Yeah. Um, I can't see it happening, personally, because I think cricket is, the game itself is very traditional, as, you know, as we all know. Um, I just, I think the, 
the role of the umpire is a key part of the game and you know the challenges have only been brought in in, in the last few years and they're, they're already changing the game significantly and I think if it gets if it gets further than it than it is already I think you know somebody up top is going to stamp down and say that's enough we'll go back to where we were mm. the game is fine as it is but I think you're right that how technology is slowly coming into the game is, is really interesting. I think it's one to keep an eye on, for sure. Just just to provide a bit of context for, for those who may not have seen it, it's, basically you, you can get challenges and that means you, you can go to um, go to technology, go to maybe hotspot or, um, or cameras to, to see what exactly happened. But you, you can only do that a couple times. The rest of it, like the audience, the spectators can see what happens, but the, those can only be used to make a call once. And it, it happens yeah. where... Had uh, had had the team had another challenge, they could have had it swing their way. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, Chris. I, I don't like. I don't actually like the idea personally. You know, it, it's it's just more that the genie's out of the bottle now. No, I agree definitely. I think it'll swing one way or the other for sure, and it'd be interesting yeah. to see which. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So we'll keep an eye on that. So. Um, Richard, are there any um, websites or Twitter handles you'd like to point our listeners to if they'd like to learn more about uh, your systems or rather technological cricket um, things? Sure, with pleasure. Um, <laughs> the, the, the main website is uh, www.pitchvision.com mm -hmm. and, and there's, three, there's three areas within that site. There's the area where all our coaching materials are for cricket mm -hmm. uh, and, a, and a really good um, weekly podcast as well. There's the area where you can see the actual products we sell, uh, the, the motion tracking products, and there's the area called interactive where you can see where all the data and videos uploaded. You can see a bit of a preview of, of that data online and see how different countries are competing with each other online. Great, great. We'll, we'll, put, uh, we'll put links to those on our website. And I've, I've had a quick look at some of that, and it's, it's kind of cool. You can see almost like a live... Like someone is bowling, and this is what they did somewhere around the world. It's kind of yeah. fun to watch. Um, so, uh, great. Well, thank you, Richard. Thanks for your time, and thank you, Chris. Um, I think this was a great discussion on cricket. And uh, I was about to say go England, but that might not be appropriate for the, uh, <laughs> for the Ashes. They don't need any help. <laughs> and that is the episode. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Chris. And thanks, listeners, for listening. For more information and links and images, Go to our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Thanks. Bye.